Hey, hey, welcome to our very first conversation here at Tia's Table. I'm so excited to be trying something new. Um, Hopefully this, uh, we can call it a podcast, I guess. I mean, that's the official word for it. But for me, it's more of like an intimate conversation between me and the ladies that I've had the pleasure of being able to work with or um, the subscribers to my newsletter or any anybody that I've been able to interact with online. Um, so hopefully these conversations will be fun, light, funny, helpful, motivating, and all of the positive vibes that I know everyone needs. Um, so let's just do a quick rundown of what we can expect on these um, on these podcast episodes, right? Um, we will always start off talking about food. So we'll, we'll talk about food. We'll have a main topic that we discuss that kind of, um, builds off of the newsletter or something that we've been talking about in my DMs on Instagram. We'll talk about fitness and working out things that are popular, things I've tried, things that I think you should try or possibly girls stay away from. Um, and then we'll close out with something fun that I used to do when I was a mommy blogger many moons ago, which is share random thoughts that I'm sure most people um, can either relate to or possibly agree with or maybe disagree with. Um, but I think that's a fun way to kind of close up close up an episode. So let's get right into what is on my table this month. Right now, what I'm eating as we move into fall is soup. Everyone knows if you follow me on Instagram, I am a big soup lover. I think soup is a very easy way to get lots of healthy things into your body very quickly. They are one pot meals, so they don't require a lot of work um, and they taste really good and you can freeze them. So you can always make some and then have some stored away for later. My soup of choice, the one that I'll be eating first this fall season is my famous cauliflower soup. Now, I know people are like, you're going to cauliflower soup us to death, but I felt it was only right to choose that as the very first meal um, of our podcast to discuss because it is the one that people talk to me about the most. And I can kind of talk you through some of the things that I think might be going wrong with your cauliflower soups at home. So first of all, the cauliflower soup is super easy. All you need is basically cauliflower, chicken broth, Um, I use Creole seasoning for mine because I like a little spice, Um, onions and garlic, and you're you're basically good to go, right? So you don't need that many things to make it. It literally will cook itself once you get it all into the pot. Super fast, super easy. The cauliflower soup is my favorite because you can eat it so many different ways. My personal favorite is eating it topped with andouille sausage. Um, That takes the spice level up just a little bit. It gives you that little bit of a runny nose when you know something is good and you know it's spicy. I I love that. Um, You can also eat it topped with roasted veggies. You can top it with shrimp. I've used cauliflower soup as like a substitute for grits in many ways. So I've served it alongside a fried fish um, for my family. And I have also used it as grits in the morning and I top it with bacon and eggs. So if you're um, from the country like me, if you grew up in the Carolinas, you know we like to make a grits bowl where you put your grits in your bowl and then you top it with everything else that was made for breakfast that morning. Maybe not pancakes and waffles, but literally sausage, bacon, cheese, eggs, 
hash browns, like whatever else you have for breakfast, you just put it all in that one bowl on top of grits and it is delicious. Um, so I love that you can do so many different things with that one pot of soup. Um, you can freeze it. It freezes very well. I did that over the summer for some quick, easy lunches while my kids were home. Um, and it that worked out like great. Um, it kept its flavor. It wasn't runny. Um, but I do want to give a couple tips about the cauliflower soup because I think some people are going left when they maybe should have gone right um, with the soup. So tip number one, you got to watch that broth to cauliflower ratio, right? Um, I use two cauliflower heads when I make the soup and I use a quart or one box of chicken broth. Now, if you are new to cooking, you want to make sure your broth kind of meets the cauliflower in the pot. So like they're all on one nice little even layer. You don't necessarily want your cauliflower swimming in broth, like they're floating and it's lots of space in there. You kind of want to make sure that the broth to cauliflower um, ratio is even. This is important because when you go to blend it, if you have way too much broth in your pot, you're going to have runny soup. And that's what I get messaged about the most. Like, oh, my soup came out runny or my soup wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I think it's because people are using way too much broth or maybe not enough cauliflower. That balance kind of has to be there. Um, once you blend your soup or in the blending process, if you feel like you may have used too much broth or not enough cauliflower, you can always pulse your soup so that you can kind of watch the blend on it. Um, and you can control how runny it may get, but, um, you know, that's just one of those things where if you kind of use too much, girl, you're just gonna have to eat that pot of soup. And when you make the next one, you'll know to adjust what you may not have gotten, um, all the way right on the first one, but just keep playing with it. And I'm pretty sure that's where people are getting, um, a texture that they, that they did not desire. They didn't see that runny soup coming, but then boom, there it was in their bowl, um, I personally like more of a creamy cauliflower soup. Um, I like seeing the chunks of cauliflower in it. So I use a lot of cauliflower. I only use a box of the broth. And when I blend, I use um, a hand immersion blender. I think that's what it's called. The blender you bring to the pot and you just blend right there in the pot. Um, I use one of those and that allows me to really see how much I'm blending and leaving chunky. Um, so hopefully that helps. Now, if you're going to freeze your soup, just remember to always bring it to a uh, room temp before you fill it into the little cubes. I like using the super cubes that I found on Amazon. I can post a link to that somewhere. Um, if people are going to find that helpful, but they make the perfect portion for soup. Um, I think the trays that I have are one cup portions and they are ideal for lunch or quick, easy dinners. If maybe your family is going to eat something else or if you just don't feel like cooking, everybody gets a cube and it makes truly the perfect size bowl of soup. So get into that cauliflower soup. That is the recipe that you are finding in your email along with this episode. So if you haven't tried it yet, give it a try. If you tried it before and it did not come out, 
quite the way you were expecting, girl, try it again. Because what we do know about cooking is that practice may not always lead to perfect, but it sure will lead to some progress. So progress over perfection all the time. Let's keep trying and we'll get that right eventually. Um, so in the newsletter this month, we talked about burnout and how to kind of overcome burnout and what it means. So I just want to kind of have a conversation about that and what led me to write about that for this month's newsletter. Um, so for me, I think I'm one of those people who will go, go, go and go until I hit a wall, which is not healthy. Like no one should be doing that. And I always tell my friends like that think I'm doing all these amazing things. I'm like, no, girl, I'm just crazy. Like, but so don't be like me. <laughs> don't be like me because I don't know when to say no and like turn things off. Um, and that, in my opinion, is what leads to burnout. I think burnout comes from a place of not saying no enough. And feeling like you have to do all the things in a certain way by a certain time and really like, no, we don't, we don't have to be doing anything on anybody else's time. I mean, I guess other than work, if you have deadlines for work, then sure. Yeah. Do that stuff on time. But literally, I think everything else that women make such a huge priority that ends up just overwhelming us, thus leading to burnout are things that I'm learning that I can just say no or not right now, right? Um, I talk to people a lot, either in my DMs or in real life about um, how tough it is to like clean up, make sure your kids are doing everything they're supposed to do, cook healthy meals, like do all these things. Um, And recently I decided for myself that instead of holding myself to these ideas that like, oh my gosh, you know, the, the sink can't ever have dishes in it. Or, oh my gosh, I got to stay, which now I do have to stay on top of laundry. I was about to say, I got to keep these (laughs) laundry baskets low. But honestly, that is something that I I recently developed a strategy for um, that is working for me. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to stay on top of laundry because if I don't, um, it'll be overflowing and a a mess. Got to keep this house clean. Got to make sure all the kids are doing everything they're supposed to do. Um, And I found that, Telling myself, well, girl, you don't have to do that right now has certainly helped me out a lot. For example, typically after we eat dinner or have a meal, I would find myself um, cleaning up like crazy and never really having any true downtime. Like I would literally be balls to the walls from the moment I wake up at six o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night doing something, whether that was working or cleaning up, cooking, running errands, helping kids with homework, like just whatever. It's just nonstop movement all day long. And I'm, I ended up telling myself one day, you know what? You don't like who's coming over here. Number one, no one is. You don't have to have a a showroom ready kitchen 24 seven. Like who cares about that? A part of me cares, like I always joke with myself that there are two Tia's. It's like the Tia that's normal and she understands none of this really matters. And then there's the other Tia who's a little like crazy. She likes to shop online. She likes to do all the things she's not supposed to do, eat crazy. But she's the one that's like, oh, yeah, girl, you do need to (laughs) clean that kitchen right now. 
or you do need to stay on top of this. Like, no, girl, we can't sit down. I also believe that that's low-key my anxiety talking to me. And while I'm no one's doctor and no one's therapist, um, I know that that's where that comes from, right? Just telling myself, you have to do all these things. And really, no, I don't. Um, Outside of, of working and taking care of my kids, the rest of this stuff Literally, I could kind of fall back on it. Yeah, it might get to a place where now I got to catch up on it. But at least I did get to get some rest in the meantime. Um, So I personally feel like burnout comes from just holding ourselves to these ridiculous standards that at the end of the day really doesn't mean anything. Um, You know, people always say, oh, well, when I die, such and such won't be on my tombstone. And I'm like, yeah, when I'm gone from this earth, my tombstone is not going to say, great mom, kitchen was always clean. No, probably it's just going to say the great mom part. We're not, you know, no one's going to give me credit for any of this other stuff that I feel like is important to them or I feel like is important to me for whatever reason. And it really just shouldn't be. I should be focusing my attention on things that bring me more joy, that are more relaxing. Um, I saw a meme on Instagram the other day that said something about people's kids saying they want their children to describe them as like happy and chill. And I'm like, yeah, I want my kids to describe me as like a happy, chill woman. I don't want them to describe me as a woman who never sat down. Like my mom was always doing something. Yeah, I I don't want that to be their description of me. So I have decided to slow my life all the way down so that I could kind of focus on doing other things and avoid the burnout that comes from feeling like I got to do it all because literally no one no one is doing that and it was driving me crazy. Um, Burnout impacts us in a lot of different ways. So... Personally, for me, when I feel burnout, I I feel extremely tired. My mood is not the same. Um, I don't find as much joy in even thinking about doing other things. And I find that that is because I'm truly exhausted and I just need to rest. Um, I feel like burnout also teaches us lessons, right? So typically, when I find myself burnout, I can normally trace it all the way back to what what made me that way. Um, I'll say to myself, like I was doing fine or I was managing everything. And then boom, all of a sudden I said yes to something that I had no business saying yes to. And I knew that when I said yes. Um, but doing that when I know I wasn't supposed to be or I shouldn't have been, exhausted me on a level that now has me at a place where I just kind of need to shut everything down and give myself a couple days to just regroup and recharge. I found that when I don't listen to my gut instinct, when my gut instinct says, girl, we ain't got no business doing that, but I do it anyway, those situations literally drain me. And I'm learning that the closer that I get to 40, Um, that I can start saying no or not right now or I'm not doing that and nothing happens. Like the world doesn't fall apart. People don't hate my guts. All of the things that I think 
I would tell myself as to why I always say yes. Um, I'm learning now that, oh girl, that's all in your head. That, that really doesn't happen. When you put yourself first and you say, mm, I can't do that right now, or no, I'm choosing to stay home or whatever. Like the world does not crumble around you. People are all of a sudden not, not extremely disappointed in you or anything crazy like that. So it's okay to say no so that you can kind of rest and recharge without being forced into it. Um, so my tips for burnout, how to work past it and through it is number one, take it all the way back to the basics. When I'm burnt out, I sit down and I tell myself, okay, we're not doing anything that we don't have to. So we have to eat. We have to get really good sleep. We have to do self-care. We have to work out and we got to take care of these kids, right? Outside of doing those things, I say no to everything else until I start to feel better again. That strategy tends to work for me. Other things that I do when I'm starting to feel burnt out is I make sure I stay properly hydrated because when you're not hydrated and when you're kind of just laying down all the time or sitting down all the time and not thinking about drinking water, that will also make you feel slightly sluggish. So I make sure I stay properly hydrated. I really make sure that when I'm feeling burnt out, that I am not watching anyone's news. Um, Listening to the news all day is, I think, something that people do, especially if you work from home, you find yourself playing the news in the background and I'm not even watching it. I'm just listening to the madness and the chaos and the disruption of the world. And that's bringing my vibe down. Or it's like I'm wearing that mess like in my subconscious all day. So I stop watching the news. I also stop answering the phone if I feel like I'm about to get sucked into someone else's moment that is not necessarily positive. Which, you know, I think is great that you can be the friend that people call to vent to or people call to get your opinion on or whatever. But I find that a lot of times when when people call me to kind of like dump their mess on me, we get off the phone and I'm sure that person goes back to being pretty fine. Like they go on about their day, not even thinking about our conversation. You know, they move on and they move past it. Whereas now I'm sitting here literally feeling like I got to take a shower because I'm like, man, so-and-so just dumped all that stuff on me. And now again, that has killed my mood and my vibe for the day. You know, now I got to reset. Um, so I, I find that limiting phone calls during the day too um, truly helps me not get burnt out. I'm also a person that gets overstimulated very, very easily. Um, so for some reason, I also feel like during the day, it's just good to not talk on the phone um, because sometimes it can just be too much of that anyway. Um Another reason or another tip that I have for getting past burnout is to not project your burnout onto other people. So this might be a little, you know, a little touchy for some, but I'm going to share it. So a lot of times when I'm on social media, I notice that there has become... um I don't know if you want to call it a trend or just 
um, I don't know, like the new wave of things. But I notice now in specifically the mommy community that there tends to be, um, yeah, let's just call it a trend, a trend of sharing your your overwhelmness, if overwhelmness is a word. Um, but yeah, people get on their stories and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I feel like listening to that makes you to say, yeah, girl, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Now you could have been having a great day. You could have been feeling great. You could have been full of all the B12, the vitamin C, you got all the energy in the world. Like you were having a fantastic day. You will be watching someone's Instagram story where she is saying, I'm so overwhelmed. I have all these things to do. I got this, 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 and this, and this. And then suddenly you feel like, like, yeah, like girl, me too. And you go from having all the energy in the world to now feeling like you don't. Um, and so whenever, I don't know if y'all can hear Cookie, he just shook his collar. Um, I don't know if people realize that, but when they are projecting that kind of feeling like out into the internet and the rest of us are, are watching it, um, that really affects people. So I try to also limit how much of that I take in. Um, because I feel like that is just not helpful. It's not conducive to the vibe I'm trying to create for myself. Um, and I think that when you are a person who is easily influenced by other people's energies, it's important to kind of limit that kind of talk around you. Um, so for me, I don't like to project my feelings of being burnout onto other people. You very rarely will see me you know, online saying like, Ooh, girl, like I'm so, I'm so this, I'm so that mainly because for, for one reason, um, a lot of what overwhelms us are the very things that we have asked for, right? Like I asked for these children. I asked for a business. I asked for, um, you know, a beautiful home. I asked for all these things. And to me, like mentally, I'm like, girl, is it not counter? productive to then complain or feel overwhelmed about the very things you asked for, which I'm not limiting or minimizing my own experience or anybody else's. Cause if you're tired, you should feel okay saying you're tired. But also I'm like, we, you know, just putting that out into the universe all the time, I think contributes to the actual feeling of burnout. So I feel like it's very important to watch the words that you say, um, because what you speak about actually happens. <laughs> and like I'm a firm believer of that. The things that I say are typically right in line with what ends up happening in in my life. Um, so I try not to project the feeling of being burnt out onto other people. And I definitely limit the amount of that kind of talk I allow into my space. Um, so hopefully... Those tips are helpful. Um, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say like, make sure you're, <laughs> make sure you're getting those workouts in, girl. Um, but I do feel like exercise does help keep your energy level up, which will avoid burnout. Um, but for the most part, those tips are my personal ways of getting through 
that feeling of I'm over it. Um, So hopefully you find those helpful. Another thing we talked about in the newsletter this month was waist trainers, waist trimmers, people getting surgery, and how in the world is it possible for almost everyone you see now to have a perfect hourglass figure? Like, where did it come from? It's all of a sudden, you know, like I said in the newsletter, DNA, where art thou? Because I know I don't and I never have had an hourglass figure. You know, she's always been cute, but she ain't ever had no hourglass figure. And I feel like that's the case for most people. People have always been, you know, like beautiful with amazing bodies. But for some reason, all of a sudden, that hourglass shape has literally taken off suddenly and kind of out of nowhere. Now, I personally personally believe that the reality TV rise um, made that shape popular. Um, People started seeing people on reality TV, what they believe to be people living their real lives. Um, That look became attractive. And now everywhere you go, everybody has got a beat face, a lace front and an hourglass shape. And this is not me hating on the girls because I think it's great. If you're young and you got the time, why not? Go for it, girl. Um, But for some of us that are, you know, above 35, close to 40 or in our 40s, we're just trying to figure out how, how, how is it that everyone all of a sudden looks like they have a full glam squad every morning when they wake up? And where exactly did those tiny little, what looks like 22 inch waists come from all of a sudden? So people normally say that they use waist trainers and waist trimmers to achieve this look, along with diet and exercise, of course. You'll see people working out in their waist trainers and trimmers, um, talking about them, showing you all the sweat that comes from them when they're done exercising. Um, And so I do want to talk about that just very quickly, the difference between a trainer and a trimmer. So a waist trainer is like the corset style thing that zips up. And then for a lot of them now, they also Velcro around your waist. Um, People wear them for hours and hours and hours. I'm doing a cute little research project myself this month on the waist trainer, seeing if it really works along with my diet and exercise. Um... And then there are waist trimmers. Waist trimmers are going to be the belts that you wear when you're working out. You put that cream on your belly and your back. I literally try to lather myself all over it with it. I wrap myself in that belt and then I work out. In my opinion and in my experience, waist trimmers do allow me to sweat more. I do burn more calories when I'm wearing my waist trimmer during a workout. And I definitely do just have tons more sweat. I start sweating sooner. All of the claims that they make about those things, I experience them myself when I'm wearing my waist trimmer. Now, that waist trainer, on the other hand, and I I know I shared this on Instagram, but I bought the Joy in Life waist trimmer. Her body is amazing. So I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try hers and see how it goes. When you first put on that waist trainer, it's not a big deal. You know, you feel somewhat constricted, but for the most part, you're good. 
after a few hours, you start to feel like you cannot even breathe. Um, so the thought of either even eating or drinking while you're wearing that thing is beyond me. Like, I don't know how people are wearing it for eight hours a day. I don't know how they're sleeping in it. I don't, I don't know. Cause the most I've ever been able to wear mine is about four hours. Now, when you have the waist trainer on, you are snatched. You are pulled together. You are tiny. You do have an hourglass figure. But the thing about all of that for me, and I don't know, maybe I'm not young enough. Maybe my body doesn't have the muscle memory. Maybe it's worn out for having, from having all these children. I don't know. But for me, when I take the waist trainer off, I can see an imprint of the trainer like in my skin. So I know it was holding me in and it was tight. Um, But I don't really notice that much of a difference in my body when I'm not wearing it. Um, And I hate, I hate to even say that. Now, when I started wearing it over the summer and I was being pretty consistent about it, there did come a point where I could look at myself in the mirror and I could kind of see a small indentation of my waist. But again, it wasn't anything that was so extreme that I felt like, ooh, that waist trainer is working. Even though my core seemed tight, um, it never measured any differently. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that my overall appearance may have looked better. My overall appearance may have started to take somewhat of an hourglass shape but my actual measurements never move. So basically my waist was not smaller. It just wasn't. So I said I would try it again this month, eating well, wearing the waist trainer every day and working out. And we'll see what my results are in October, but like, I'm not convinced. I'm pretty sure I feel really confident in saying, and I think I have to preface this with allegedly, I think these girls are just out here getting surgery, which is fine, right? To each her own. I don't think there's anything wrong with getting surgery if you know that's what you want and you feel like that's the only way to get what you want and you have a great doctor, you're medically cleared for it. I think it's totally fine. So this is not like an anti-surgery thing. I'm not an anti-surgery girl for... Y'all, I'm an anti-surgery girl for myself only because that's just not the way I want to go out. You know, I don't want to go out trying to get a BBL. Well, first of all, I don't need a BBL, but I don't, that's not the way I would go out. If I ever got any surgery done, it would probably be a boob job. That's just because I've breastfed three children and yeah, like, but even then I feel like surgery is something You should only do when you know you really, really want it or something about your body um, stresses you out so much or you dislike it so much to the point where you're like, okay, yeah, because surgery is serious. Um, Even though it's elective and cosmetic, I feel like it's a very serious thing and you got to be really serious about wanting those results to to take it that far. Um, So, yeah, I get what everybody is looking for. I understand that BBLs are super popular right now. Um, But like one of the tweets that I saw last week said, I feel like the BBL is cute now, but what about when we're 70 and 80? 
Like, what does that, what, I mean, how? Like, what does that look like? I just imagine myself, and this may be another <laughs> another thing about me that makes me super Aquarius, but I think about myself as an 80-year-old woman. And I'm like, when I'm trying to scoot down the church pew as an 80-year-old woman, am I going to want that that booty? Bump it into everybody. Like everybody has to move out of the way just so I can slide in and sit down. I mean, I don't know, but those are the things I think about. I think that body is real cute right now, but I think when people are older, I think they might regret it, which is another reason why I personally couldn't get surgery because if it didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted it to, and if I look like I had surgery at all, if it didn't look natural, like I'm not going to be happy with it anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that's what I think. I think that body type is popular now. I think even when you see people, and this is why women have to be so careful about believing everything they see or finding inspiration in everything that they see, because you could be watching somebody working out on Instagram, she's eating all the right things. And you're like, wow, that's goals. When, you know, maybe the backstory to all of it (laughs) is that she may have had some type of surgery to assist her in getting to where she is now, which again, I think is fine. But I think people who consider themselves to be influencers or people who share their, their, fitness, their wellness journeys with people. I think they just need to start being honest and say like, yeah, I look like this. I look great, but girl, I also had X, Y, and Z done. So if you're following me, just know that this is the road I took to get the body that you're looking at today. And then that way people can kind of decide, oh, okay, well, you know, she said she worked out every day for six months and now look at her. She ate really healthy And now look at her results. She looks amazing. Or, you know, a woman might say, yeah, girl, I had um, a mommy makeover. I went to Miami and had a mommy makeover or Brazilian butt lift or whatever the girls are calling it. I don't know if it's all the same or if those are completely different surgeries. But let's say you went and had some work done, right, Um, by Dr. Miami and you look great. I think you should just tell people, yes, I wouldn't have had some work done down in Miami. I'm happy with it. I look great, but I'm, you know, and to maintain this body, I'm going to do the following things. And that just gives women the option to say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to follow her because she puts out some fire food. But I know in my mind, the route she took to get that body might be a little bit different than the route that I would like to take. Or I want to know what doctor she went to so I can go down there and get them same results. So see, you know, we're not we're not mad at either approach. We just want the honesty. It's the honesty for us. So that's what I think. And I'm going to share the results of my um my science project in October. Um but so far I'm leaning towards a hypothesis of these girls are out here having surgery. And that's totally okay. Um so Moving on, we are going to go ahead and close up our first ever conversation sitting at my table with our delicious cauliflower soup. We had some good girl chat about burnout and ways that we can kind of overcome it. Um, We'll be on the lookout for those results from 
our waist trainer versus waist trimmer versus surgery science project. And to close it out, I'm going to just share a couple random thoughts, things that are on my mind. You let me know if you agree with these things or if I am totally wrong and off base and I accept either kind of response because I don't take myself too seriously about truly anything other than those children. So you cannot, you cannot offend me. So let's get into these thought bubbles. I used to have so much fun doing this when I was a blogger. Um, and now I'm going to do them, you know, audibly. So let's, let's go. First of all, fall is the best season. We're going to let summer finish out what she's doing. But the greatest season of all time is well on its way, and I love it. I love wearing everything all black. I love crisp fall morning air. I love um, (laughs) the fact that you can get your hair done and that humidity is not fighting you. You know, give me a cute boot, cute leather jacket ensemble, and I'm a happy girl. Take these children to the pumpkin patch, let them run through a maze, pick out a couple pumpkins, Everything is better in fall. Everything except pumpkin flavored items. Pumpkin anything is pretty gross. And I know somebody is going to disagree with me on that, but y'all are taking the pumpkin thing too far. It's pumpkin flavored chapstick. It's pumpkin scented this and pumpkin flavored that. Like no one cares. The only orange anything that we will ever acknowledge is sweet potato. Sweet potato pie, delicious. Pumpkin pie, not so much. The two are not the same, okay? They're not. I don't care what you put on it. Two are not the same. One of them is not like the other. One of them is top two, and it's not number two. Sweet potato pie is literally where it's at. Um, so sorry, pumpkin fans. I know I know this is y'all's time, and I'm not sure why. Um, I really wanted more from Tracy Ellis Ross's Met Gala look. Like, I love Tracy Ellis Ross. I think she's so funny, so creative, so smart, um, so entertaining, so fashionable. I always look forward to seeing what she's wearing. And that, I, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't get it. Not that I'm like the most knowledgeable fashionista Um, but I just kind of felt like her look fell a little flat. It wasn't what I was expecting. I wanted more of a lot of things, but that's not what she gave. So we're going to give the good sis Tracy some grace and act like that Met Gala look just didn't happen. We're going to wipe it from her record. Chloe Bailey is the next Beyonce. She just is. The girl can sing. The girl can dance. The girl can act, which... Well, we won't go there, but Chloe is like a triple threat and I cannot wait to see what she does next. Um, Her performance at the MTV Video Music Awards was amazing. Her video is great. Her look is fire. Um, It's not much more great things we can say about her. She is about to take over. Sometimes I really can't believe that I have three kids and I should be well aware of that by now since my oldest child is about to be 11 next week or this week on Friday, actually, she turns 11. Um, But when they're getting in the car after school, sometimes I'm like counting them as they get in and I'm like, wow, Tia, you got three whole kids. Like who thought this was a good idea? Who thought it was? I'm I'm doing them. I'm, I'm I'm trying to do the best job I can with them, but sometimes I'm like, ooh, girl, you got three kids. That seems like a lot. 
Um, I worked the book fair yesterday at the kids' school. And when I left, I only volunteered for three and a half hours. But when I left, I was truly exhausted. First of all, they had a lockdown drill while I was there. So I got to experience what the children experienced during a lockdown drill um, and to keep keep things safe, keep safety first. I won't explain what happens during a lockdown drill, but I got to experience and I was literally standing there almost in tears because I felt bad for these kids. Um, that that's their reality and that's what they have to put up with um, as little babies. And it also made me feel bad for the teachers because I'm like, ooh, girl, you got to explain this to them every time y'all do something. This is frightening. Like, and it's only one of you and it's like 30 of them. So really, what what can you do? The United States of America has truly failed the education system in so many ways. But getting to experience that just let me know that we got to do better. Better can be done. Actually, we're so far at the at the bottom of where we should be that really the only way we should be able to go as a country as far as it relates to our children is up. Like we owe them so much more than what we're giving and it's it's kind of disturbing. Um which is why I always understand when people say they don't want kids. Yeah, girl, don't have them cuz you're bringing them into this world, and this world is a mess. Um, the LuLaRoe documentary was absolutely perfect. Now, I have LuLaRoe leggings because in my previous life, I was a military wife, which, you know, if you know anything about being a military wife, you're going to have you some white girlfriends that are going to put you on the stuff that maybe you didn't know anything about. And this is where we insert LuLaRoe leggings. So I remember going to LuLaRoe leggings parties. LuLaRoe had dresses, shirts, all kinds of things. Um, And me being the legging lover that I am, I picked out a few pair of their leggings. They are butter soft, like the documentary says. They were at a great price. I picked out super cute prints. So I know, you know, the documentary had like donuts and unicorns and octopus and like all these random things on the leggings. Y'all know me. I wasn't out here wearing no crazy leggings like that. I I picked out really cute Aztec prints or leggings that were black that maybe had white arrows on them. So I have like black and white cute, you know, cute prints. Um, I had no idea that LuLaRoe had gone under kind of the way that it did. I do know, I felt like at one point you used to see them online all the time. Every time I would get on Facebook, people would be having LuLaRoe legging parties, slinging those leggings all over the place. And now, you know, you don't hear much about them. And I had never really thought much about that until um, watching the documentary. I'm not going to hate on the MLM business model because I too am a formal former uh, MLM business person. I have sold Cutco knives. That was in high school. I was selling those for a minute. And when I mean a minute, it was like a short, it might've been two weeks. I sold Cutco knives. It was a hot summer and it was just a no for me. Um, But the knives is a good product, but I just couldn't do it. But if you know me in real life, you know I'm probably most famous for my stint with Mary Kay. I'm a Mary Kay dropout. Um, I had a positive experience with 
selling Mary Kay. Um, I was heavy into it. Like I was drinking all the Kool-Aid. I was singing Pink Cadillac. I was at all the meetings. I went to the big uh, Mary Kay convention in Dallas. I was a red jacket, which if you know anything about Mary Kay, that means you're building a team and you're like moving up. I had Mary Kay magnets on the side of my car with my phone number on them. Y'all, when I mean to tell you I was slinging that Mary Kay, those lipsticks, I was out here getting it. I was doing parties almost every weekend. And let me tell you, the things that they say in that documentary are true. When that money starts hitting your hand and you realize how easy it was to make it and how fast you made it, you do kind of say to yourself like, oh, I I should think more seriously about about these parties and about inviting other people to join my team because every time I do that, I make more money. I remember it would be Saturdays where I would throw a party. It would take me maybe 90 minutes from start to finish. And I mean, that setup, breaking that stuff back down and putting it in my car. Um, 90 minutes maybe to throw a party. At the end of it, maybe I would have sold, let's say $600 worth of stuff. Mary Kay is a 50-50 split. So that means I just made $300 in 90 minutes. Sounds like a win to me. And at the time, I didn't have any kids. So that was like straight up money in my pocket that I could just, uh, at the time we were living in DC, that I could just <laughs> go to um, go to the mall and do whatever I wanted to do with it. Because I mean, that money didn't have nobody's name on it but mine. So I get it. I get how you can get sucked in. I get the vibes that those meetings give you, those those meetings, let me tell you, if everyone could go to a Mary Kay meeting at the top of their day, every day, you would feel like you could conquer the world because those meetings build you up. They teach you a lot, um, but they build you up. They have you feeling like no one can stop you. You are the most incredible woman. And I think that's a good thing. Um, but the part about it for me was always recruiting the other women. I never liked... Um, what would they call it? Would they call it warm chatting or I can't remember what the official like Mary Kay term for it was, but let's say I was out at Starbucks and I saw a woman who looked stylish or I saw a woman that could maybe benefit from learning more about the Mary Kay products or the, the opportunity or whatever. You were taught to walk up to that woman, not knowing her. And for somebody like me who has a little bit of social anxiety, like I don't want to talk to strangers. I just, I I do not <laughs> want to do it. Um, but you're taught to kind of walk up to, to people and introduce yourself. And there's a light script that you can follow to kind of help you with any ice breaking. You give that woman your business card. Hopefully you can even like plan a party right there on the spot. And that is how you, that is how you build your team. It's like the more people you get in front of, the more parties you host at the end of each party, you share the Mary Kay opportunity and you're hoping that the numbers will work in your favor and a small percentage of every party or a small percentage of all the women that you're in front of on any given weekend will result in at least one or two of those women joining your, your team. Um, and that part for me was always a little bit, you know, uncomfortable. 
So I enjoyed that documentary because I'm like, oh yeah, I can relate to this. Now, my favorite part about that documentary was the the young man that talked about not being able to listen to Kelly Clarkson anymore. He said that with a, <laughs> a dead serious tone and look on his face, he was not playing with these people. Um, I would have enjoyed a, a whole episode. I could do season two if they do a part two to that documentary and just let him kind of give his take and his opinion on everything that happened, that would be all right with me. I would sit down and I would binge watch that on a Saturday in a heartbeat. Um, So yeah, that concludes our very first conversation at Tia's table. I hope people found this to be fun, light, enjoyable. Please share it with someone who may not know all of the goodness that we talk about every month. Um, I'm going to continue to share my food every day on Instagram. If you have any suggestions for things that you would like to see in the newsletter or that you would like for me to discuss here, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. That's probably the fast way to chat with me. If you are not already subscribed to our newsletter, but you happen to stumble upon this episode anyway, girl, what are you waiting for? You can have all this goodness once a month into your inbox. Um, so get subscribed to the newsletter. It was my pleasure to sit and eat and chat with you today. If you haven't done so already, the next time you see a woman that looks like she can be uplifted, compliment that woman. Tell her her hair looks good. Tell her her outfit is cute. That color looks good on her. Because when we uplift one another, it uplifts us as a sisterhood. I hope everyone has a very, very good day. I will see you on Instagram and I will talk to you again next month.